Jewish New Year began last night. Did people wear party hats? Did they sing Auld Lang Syne? Or was something else happening? Stay with me, and we'll talk about Rosh Hashanah, the Jewish New Year, in just a moment. Hello, friends. Welcome to Open Line with me, Dr. Michael Rydelnik. This is Moody Radio's Bible study across America. I'm the academic dean and professor of Jewish studies and Bible at Moody Bible Institute. I'm so glad to be sitting around the radio kitchen table with you, taking your questions about the Bible, God, and the spiritual life. If you have a question that you'd like to ask, just call. The phone number here is 877-548-3675. That's, let me give you that number again, 877-548-3675. Now, Gabby Turku is sitting in for Trisha McMillan today. Handling all things technical is Courtney Young, and uh, Bob Monroe is helping her. Josie is answering the phones. I appreciate all their help. Time for you to go get a cup of coffee, open your Bibles, because we're about to study the Scriptures together. But before we get to your questions, let's talk about Rosh Hashanah. (coughs) When do Jewish people celebrate the new year? Three times a year. How can that be? Well, first, according to Exodus 12, 1 and 2, Passover is to mark the beginning of months and the first month of the year. Second, since everyone else seems to be celebrating on January 1st, Jewish people do so as well. It's a a secular new year. And third, Jewish people celebrate on Rosh Hashanah Hebrew words that mean new year or literally the head of the year. And uh, they celebrate, beginning last night, they celebrate our spiritual new year. Three new years may sound strange, but when you think about it, most Americans celebrate a new school year in the fall, a new year in January, on January 1st, and many companies also observe a fiscal new year on July 1st. So as the old saying goes, Jewish people are just like everyone else, only more so. Today, let's focus on Rosh Hashanah by understanding its biblical roots current observance, and practical significance. Well, let's start with the biblical roots of Rosh Hashanah. The festival is found in the Bible in Leviticus, chapter 23, verses 24 and 25, which has a holy day on the first day of the seventh month. And it says it's to be a complete rest. In Hebrew, the word for complete rest is a Shabbaton, And it's to go along with it, there's to be trumpet blowing. Since the days of the Bible, this holy day includes the blowing of a ram's horn. That's called a shofar, which has a serious, really haunting sound. Listen to this. A 
let's, uh... Yeah. That's the sound of the shofar. And it, it's obviously something that's very uh, haunting. It, it really grabs your ears and your heart as you listen to it. And so that's the sound of the shofar. Since the festival begins the Hebrew calendar's penitential season, these trumpet blasts, the shofar, were designed as a call to repentance to prepare people for Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, 10 days later. Now, uh, this uh, celebration is also found of Rosh Hashanah, or the Feast of Trumpets, is found in Numbers 29, 1 through 6. And there, if you read it, it repeats the commands to observe a Shabbaton, a day of rest, and also... It repeats the trumpet-blowing requirements, but then it adds various sacrifices. Today, these sacrifices are obviously no longer offered since the Jewish people don't have a, a temple or a tabernacle with which to offer them. And uh, that's since the temple was destroyed in A.D. 70. Now, how about the current observance of this holy day. Modern observance of the Feast of Trumpets goes back 2,500 years to the Babylonian exile. Apparently, the Babylonians observed their new year in September, and when the Jewish people went into exile there in 586 BC, they began to attach a new year significance to the festival they already had, the Feast of Trumpets. So they were already observing this holy day, and they attached a new year observance to it. And that's how the name Rosh Hashanah, New Year's, was attached to the Feast of Trumpets, with an emphasis on renewal, particularly spiritual renewal, with the beginning of the season of atonement. Which leads, so you have renewal as a first emphasis of current observance, leads to a second aspect of current Rosh Hashanah observance, which is repentance. With Yom Kippur, or the Day of Atonement coming ten days later, the shofar is blown to call the people to repentance. Special penitential prayers are said. Uh, people in the synagogues acknowledge our guilt before God. And beginning with this festival for, for ten days, these, are, these ten days are known as the Days of Awe, or the Days of Fear, People make amends with their family, with their friends, neighbors, anyone else they may have wronged. This is good, but unfortunately it has led to a reliance on good deeds as a means of finding forgiveness with God. According to traditional rabbinic teaching, repentance, prayer, and deeds of righteousness cancel God's judgment for sin. You find forgiveness by deeds. However, according to the scripture, we're only forgiven by God's grace through faith, just as in the Torah it says, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. Genesis 15:6. Righteous deeds are certainly good as an expression of our forgiveness, but never as a source of it. So you have renewal, repentance as a third emphasis of Rosh Hashanah, there's remembrance. According to rabbinic teaching, every year God takes out three books. One of those books is for the totally wicked. One of those are for those who are 
Completely Righteous. That's a very small book. Only one person that I know of ever made it into that one. And then one book is taken out for those who have done both good and bad the past year. And God then remembers their deeds and weighs their future. Finally, besides renewal, repentance, and remembrance, there's an emphasis on royalty, emphasizing God as king and therefore our judge. Again, according to rabbinic teaching, God judges our fate on Rosh Hashanah and inscribes whether we're to live or die in the upcoming year. It's taught about God's judgment that on Rosh Hashanah it is written and on Yom Kippur it is sealed. That's why Jewish people frequently give the New Year's greeting, may you be inscribed for a good year. Also, it's why we eat sweet treats on Rosh Hashanah, like apples dipped in honey or honey cake, honey cake or pastries slathered in honey. It's all about our longing for a sweet year. So, is there any practical significance to celebrating Rosh Hashanah? I'd suggest that this is a season of introspection. This would be a good time to obey 2 Corinthians 13.5, which exhorts us to examine yourselves to see if you are in the faith. And uh, all our good works and penitential prayers are unable to achieve forgiveness with God. Whether we've, we're Gentile or Jewish, it doesn't matter. We need to trust that Jesus died as our sacrificial atonement and was raised to life in order to experience God's forever forgiveness. This is a good season to examine ourselves and make sure that we've put our trust in the Messiah Jesus. Another personal question I'd suggest is if I know I've trusted in Jesus, I should ask myself, am I living my life in a way that is worthy of him? Paul exhorts us to walk in a manner worthy of our calling as followers of Messiah Jesus. Yet one more area of self-reflection is to consider whether we're serving the Lord Jesus to the best of our ability. He's given us spiritual gifts and talents with which to serve him. Are we using them to bring honor to him? One day we'll all stand before him and we should want to hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. Well, I'm frequently asked about my observance of Jewish holy days. Do you observe Rosh Hashanah? Absolutely. I love the sweets and the other special foods, but really what's most meaningful to me is the blowing of the shofar and its piercing cry, calling me and you to draw closer to the Lord in this coming year. And with that thought, let me say to you, Shana Tova Umituka, may you have a good and sweet year. Now, uh, I do want to mention one other thing in light of Rosh Hashanah. One of the things that people often do when they come to a new year is to read the scriptures. They want to read the scriptures more faithfully, more consistently. It's a typical January New Year's resolution, but even at Rosh Hashanah, if we uh, inspect our lives, evaluate them, we think we want to read the scriptures more. And although we need to read and study and meditate on God's word, at times it can be a challenge for us to understand it. And that's why I want to talk to you about our current resource. Pastor Colin Smith wrote 10 Keys for Unlocking the Bible. It's a small book that gives the picture of how to read the Bible, a big, the big picture of how to read the Bible. The book can help us unlock a deeper understanding of Scripture 
and get more out of our time in the Word. It's a simple and helpful guide that will make the Bible much more accessible to, to us when we want to read it. And it's yours when you give a gift of any size to OpenLine. It's just a way for us to say thank you for your generosity. Just call 888-644-7122 or go to OpenLineRadio.org. And remember, when you give, be sure to ask for 10 keys for unlocking the Bible. Well, I know a bunch of you have called. If you have a question but uh, can't call, you can just check us out at OpenLineRadio.org. But uh, we're going to go to your calls in just a moment. Uh, If you want to leave a message at OpenLineRadio.org, you can click on Ask Michael a Question. But we're going to talk to you in just a moment. So stay where you are. I'll be right back. My name is Michael Reitelnik, and this program is called Open Line, and you can ask uh, your question about the Bible, God, or the spiritual life. Our phone number here is 877-548-3675. Feel free to call with your question about the Bible, God, or the spiritual life. We're going to go to the phones right now. Teresa is in Evanston. And uh, she's listening, I'm guessing, to WMBI. Welcome to Open Line, Teresa. How can I help you? Oh, thank you so very much. Uh, Dr. Vajonek, I have a request. I have my question regarding the Holy Spirit. So in 1 John 2.20 says we have an anointing from the Holy One. And other scriptures say believers are filled and also baptized with the Holy Spirit. So my Mm -hmm. question is, how do we as believers relate to the Holy Spirit is in regards to prayer? For example, when we start our day in devotion and prayer, do we ask Mm -hmm. to be filled or anointed or baptized with the Holy Spirit? And then how do we know when we need to ask again because we've sinned or grieved the Holy Spirit? Sure. Well, let me just start with the first thing that you mentioned, baptized, filled, uh, anointed. Baptism is how the Holy Spirit places us into the body of Christ. And it says in 1 Corinthians twelve thirteen, we are all baptized by one Spirit into one body, which means that, that if you have trusted in Jesus, you never have to pray to be baptized by the Holy Spirit. It's happened. The instant we believe we're immersed, that's what baptized means, into the body of Christ, okay? And uh, the, the passage that you mentioned in First John, it says we all have an anointing. And I think, you know, we use that phrase all the time. Oh, he's such an anointed singer. He, she's such an anointed teacher. You know, you've heard that expression, haven't you, Teresa? And, uh-huh. and But when you read what First John is talking about, the anointing in context has to do with the ability, the spiritually spiritual discernment that God gives us to discern truth from error. Uh, so when you look at First John two, but you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you have knowledge. So we all have the anointing when we come to faith, and the anointing you receive from Him remains in you. Verse. Uh, 27 says, 
Verse 20 says, you all have an anointing. And verse 27, it says, the anointing you receive from him remains in you, and you don't need anyone to teach you. Now, that doesn't mean there aren't good Bible teachers. But what he is saying is, when, when people make the choice to listen to false teaching, when uh, they are o- already believers, we're held accountable for that because God has given us sort of a truth barometer, the Holy Spirit, to discern truth from error. And that's what that anointing is about. The filling of the Spirit is allowing God to control us. So you're asking, uh, what, what should we do in terms of prayer? And so I think that one of the things that we need to do is focus our prayers on asking the Father. The Lord Jesus taught us to pray to the Father. Then he taught us to ask and pray in his name, right? So as we speak to the Father in the name of the Son, and then we do it by the power of the Spirit. Here's what it says in Ephesians 6.18. Pray at all times in the Spirit with every prayer and request, and stay alert in this with all perseverance and intercession for all the saints. Pray for me also, that the message may be given, to, and he t- says what they need to pray for him. So when it says pray at all times in the Spirit, there are some people who think that means to pray in a foreign language that is sort of a heavenly language. That's not what that means. To pray in the Spirit means pray at all times by the power of the Spirit, in the power of the Holy Spirit. How do we do that? We yield our lives to the Lord. We allow the Word of God to control us. That's the filling of the Spirit. And then we submit our prayer requests to God, and we ask Him to lead us in what we pray. And that is, I believe, praying in the power of the Spirit. And so we pray to the Father in the name of the Son, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, The Holy Spirit, uh, we want to see very dramatic action by Him, but His I really do believe the way the Holy Spirit leads us in prayer is with his still small voice as he puts uh, the issues on our hearts and before our minds about what we need to talk to the Lord about. Okay? Does that help, Teresa? Oh, yes. Thank you. I love that so very much. Thank you, okay. Dr. Rondell. Oh, thank you so much for your call. Uh, we're going to move on to Terry. In Baltimore, listening to WRBS. Welcome to Open Line, Terry. How can I help you? Yes, thank you, Dr. Rondelnik. Um, we just uh, started our study in the Book of Acts and Our Ladies Bible Study at our church, and uh, we went through Chapter One, uh, where it talks about um, Peter uh, referenced Old Testament scriptures about uh, you know prophetic about who was going to betray Jesus. And verse twenty it says another one would take his bishopric. They um, decided to pull up Bar Sabbath and Matthias. Wait, wait, wait what did you say? Wait, 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 did you say his bishopric? Is that what you said? Yes, yes, that was all, how they, re- I have King James Version. Oh, well, it's an yeah, apostleship. Apostles. Okay, yeah, okay. Well, well it, yeah, when, they, when they're referring to the Old Testament Scripture, let another one take his bishopric. Anyway, um, so they, Well, listen, that, let me just well, tell you right now, okay? Let another one okay, take his place okay. is what the Old Testament says. And there's another reason, let another one take his position, is what Psalm 109.8 mm-hmm. says, as it's quoted. Here's another good reason to get a more modern version. 
Okay. Okay. To change that word. And the, okay. Yeah. No, because the the word bishopric has a whole different sense of the position of apple, uh, apostleship. Okay. Well, anyway, that that wasn't my point. I, I know. Um, I'm using this as an okay. aside. I keep telling people okay, we I'm need sorry. to read a more modern version, and this is just the classic reason why. Okay. Just go on. Right. Go ahead. Right. I I, mm-hmm. I got I, I understand the position. But anyway. Yeah. So um they prayed, it says they prayed <laughs> and then they cast lots, which so they did everything according to, you know, their biblical understanding at the time and the lot fell on with Owen Matthias, of course. Uh but it was adamantly brought up that that was kind of them doing that in their own understanding that Paul was actually the twelfth apostle because he I guess referred him to himself later as an apostle. But um, so I just wanted to get some clarification for that. I don't know. Maybe the others thought uh, didn't have a full understanding of the apostolic in a general term. So could you clarify? Do you believe that you know Matthias was the choice God made to replace Judas and okay. Paul? Now his name is not Matthias. It's Mattathias. Okay. Mattathias. Matthew. Okay. 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 And uh, I do believe that was the God's leading. You could see that God used lots throughout the Old Testament. And the Holy Spirit falls in Acts 2. And only after the Holy Spirit falls and we have Pentecost does the use of lots disappear. So God did use lots in Acts 1 to guide them. Now, the thing that uh, most people don't realize, if, if you look back at the 12 apostles in Matthew 19... Uh, there it says of the 12 apostles that they will uh, sit and judge the 12 tribes of Israel. Uh, This is what Matthew 19.28 says. I assure you, in the Messianic age, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Now, they'll do this as the remnant of Israel, but they are the 12 apostles to Israel. Their primary calling was to bring the gospel to Israel. And so the, the emphasis here is to choose the 12th apostle to sit on that 12th throne in the future to lead Israel in the Messianic kingdom. Okay, that's why Mattathias was chosen, not Paul. However, the Holy Spirit set aside Paul, and we know what he says uh, in the book of Galatians, that Peter was the apostle to the circumcised, to Jewish people, because he was one of those 12, and Paul was the apostle to the uncircumcised, as was Barnabas. Uh, So what we have are certain apostles who also testify of the risen Lord, they were Jewish guys like Paul and, and Barnabas, but nevertheless, they were sent to the Gentile world, and so they were not the twelfth apostleship did not apply to Paul because that was to be an apostle to Israel, and now Paul is going to be an apostle to the uncircumcised. So I don't think the disciples made a mistake in using the uh, the lot. That was they sought God's leading. That's how it was always done in the Old Testament. Only with Acts 2 do you have the new Holy Spirit way of being led because of the coming of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. They chose the 12th apostle to Israel. That was clearly God's hand. There isn't a word of judgment or uh, problem 
that comes up here in Acts 1. They did the right thing, but God also did the right thing in raising up Saul slash Paul and Barnabas to go and be apostles to the uncircumcised world. Okay? Terrific. That's great. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Thank you for your call. Really appreciate it. Uh, We're going to... Uh, you know what? Let me not uh, go to the next call because we're, we're kind of running short on time. What I do want to do is talk with you about the teamwork that we have here at Open Line. Uh, we've got Courtney does such a great job with engineering and doing that stuff. And Trish is our regular producer. She does marvelous stuff. I couldn't do the program with her. So many times people think that I do this all alone, and we have wonderful call screeners, and Bob's sitting in all the time now uh, with engineering. It's a great team, and there's a whole team at Moody Radio. Here's what I love, though, is you can be part of the team, too, that we have all the kitchen table partners. They give monthly to OpenLine so that I can be on weekly. I'm so grateful to God for all those partners that we have. You're part of the team, too. And if you're listening and OpenLine has been an encouragement to you, Maybe you'd like to become a kitchen table partner, too. Maybe you'd like to become part of the team. If you do, I'll send you a uh, every other week a Bible study moment that you can listen to. All you have to do is call 888-644-7122, or you can sign up online at openlineradio.org. We'll be back with the mailbag with Gabby in just a moment. So don't go away. This is Open Line with Michael Red Helmick. Welcome back to Open Line with me, Michael Ray Delnick. I'm going to go to the mailbag in just a moment, but I just got, I just heard that a friend of mine is calling, and so I'm going to bring him on right now, Dr. William Washington, Dean of Student Life, Vice President and Dean of Student Life at Moody Bible Institute. Hey, Doc Washington. Hey. How you doing? Hey. Hey, doing doing great, Doc. Doing great. Doing great. Just benefit so much from uh, the program. Oh, wow. Did you call with a Bible question today? What are you calling about? Well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of thinking, you know, in part of your introduction today, you talked about if we had Bible questions or uh, questions about life or spiritual life and so on and so forth. Yeah. And since I'm a kitchen table partner, ah! I just wanted to find out how many kitchen table partners we have. Oh, my. I think that Trish knows the answer to that. I think it, we have about uh, a few hundred, but I'm not sure the exact number. But uh, I think it's in the hundreds, a uh, few hundred, and I really appreciate that team. Uh, but I'm not exactly sure of the number because I'm bad at numbers. I forget dates. I never. I teach history courses, never require dates because I'm not good at numbers. So uh, <laughs> I wish I, I think it's a couple hundred is what we have. But uh, I may be wrong about that. Uh, so I, I'll check on that, though, as I always say when I'm stumped by a question. Uh, <laughs> uh, Wash, I'll, I'll check. <laughs> I'll check All right. on that. Well, number. I, I tell you, what, what, what my question is, and, and really what my challenge is, is the, the program has been so instrumental in so many lives. I, I remember being in Israel and 
uh, walking into a restaurant and someone uh, recognizing you and immediately said that they were a kitchen table partner. Oh, and so how I remember lives, that. Yeah. <laughs> and, how, and how their lives and their family members' lives and friend lives have been just so impacted by listening to you on the radio. And so I want to challenge all of our kitchen table partners uh, to really pray and consider uh, over the course of the next 30 days to talk to two people uh, who huh. you know and who you are in need of some some spiritual care and and encouragement and encourage them to join uh, this ministry uh, because when they do, they'll get tremendous resources from you. But more importantly, I believe God will shed a light on their lives that will help them in every aspect of their being. So just want to challenge our kitchen table table partners uh, to go out, talk to two people, and see what the Lord has. We want to double the impact for the kingdom of God. Wow. Well, thank you, William. That is just phenomenal. That, that means so much to me. And, you know, I, I'm amazed. I'm always amazed that anyone listens to the program at all. You know, when I first started, I used to say, I think Eva's the only one that's going to listen. And, and so now when I hear that there are people that listen regularly, uh, sometimes uh, I have one colleague who he calls it, uh, what does he call it? Uh, it's, it's like every week uh, it's required listening. You know, every week he listens. And he's, he's got a great background in radio. Uh, appointment listening, I think he calls it. Uh, he's got a background in radio, and that just encourages me so much because I, you know, I don't have a background in radio. I have a background in Bible teaching. So I'm really, really grateful for, for that. And uh, anyway, thank you so much, William. And uh, I just I appreciate you so much of what you do at Moody Bible Institute. Hey, uh, you have a new role at Moody. Let me ask you about that. Uh, you're interim vice president of enrollment. Uh, so you got a new enrollment season happening. We've got recruitment happening of students. What What do you want to tell our listeners about that? I'd love to tell the listeners, Doc, that Moody Bible Institute is a place where lives are being transformed, being enhanced, where men and women are being prepared to do ministry throughout the world. And if you're looking uh, to come to a place where you'll be invested into, you'll be able to establish a firm foundation, and you can take advantage of our tuition-sponsored program where students living on campus don't pay tuition, Moody Bible Institute is the place for you. Hmm. Yep. So check out moody.edu, and that'd be a great place to start with your search I always say, if you want a great foundation for life, no matter what you want to do, we all want to serve the King, whether in bivocational work or vocational ministry, whatever it is, Moody's a great place to start your career with a great foundation for life. So anyway, hey, Doc Washington, thank you so much for calling in today. Really appreciate it. But now I got to go to the mailbag, unless you want to read the questions from the mailbag. I, I think we're just going to move on. Is that okay, Doc? All right. God bless you. Okay. Bye-bye. Okay. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Well, let's see what thank, that's actually one of my favorite calls that we could get. That was terrific. So, uh now listen. I know that I said Gabby's going to ask the questions, but Courtney is sort of uh 
here, and she hardly ever gets to talk on the radio. So let's do this, Court. Let's give you a chance to be on the radio and ask the questions. Okay, Court? Uh, well, that sounds like a fun plan. Yeah, uh, okay. Courtney's sitting in for Gabby, sitting in for Trish. We're just musical yeah. chairs today. Exactly. Now, here's the question I have for you, Court. Uh, you're transitioning out of being the engineer I know. for Open Line. I know. Yeah. I don't know why you would leave me. I, I feel like the dad in honestly, my big fat Greek wedding. Why would you? Why do you want to leave why me? Why do you want to leave me? I don't, yeah. Michael. I don't. I really don't. But I, I really want to get married. So oh, okay. There, there we go. A, That's the priority. But I there really don't. I, really I don't know where don't your priorities are. So. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you know, Moody's kind of big on marriage, so it's yeah, it's, yeah. it's pretty. I've Good gotten idea. a whole lot of support around here. It's and, and where are you going to live when you get married? I'm moving to Canada. Oh, wow. <laughs> hey, hey, <laughs> don't you know? Yeah, I'm all about sure. it. Yeah, yeah, about it. Yeah, about exactly. Yeah, out and about. Well, uh, well, okay, so I'll let you go for that good reason. All right. But I'm expecting you guys to move back to Chicago someday. Well, that's okay. the plan, you know, because okay. it's, you know, good. Canada. So, yeah. but yeah, that's ultimately, I think um, he's going to finish doing some school because he's a teacher and he's got a couple uh, years left of uh, what he's working on. And then it's down south, back home. Okay. So back. that's the plan. So, when, when we call Chicago South, you know you're in the wrong right? place. Right. <laughs> exactly. Okay, well, let's let's see if okay. we can get a question instead of all the. Yeah, we get like well, at least one in here. Um, yeah. Okay, Debbie from Illinois, um, listening on WMBI, asks, "You have shown me how to pray about so many things. Thank you for opening that door for me. But whenever I pray, no matter where I am, tears come pouring out, and it's almost embarrassing. But I can't stop mm-hmm. the tears. Why is this?" Uh, you're. I would just say some people are more emotional than others. Mm-hmm. Uh, tender hearts and. The, the idea of talking to the creator of the universe is emotional. Think, thinking about praying in the name of the Messiah who loved us so much that he died for us and then gives us new life through his resurrection, it's emotional. And yeah. some people just are more emotional than others. If you want to quit, I don't think I can get you to quit, but I think what you could do if, if, like you're, if, it's, if it's becoming problematic in your personal prayer life as you talk to him, Maybe it would be better to write your prayers oh. uh, because I think that would be able to, y- y- that emphasizes more the brain than the, than the emotion, you know, the intellect rather Yeah, than and that. writing it down does, it's a whole different um, experience really because yeah. actually I like writing down stuff like that because it makes it part of history. You know, you're taking mm-hmm. something that's intangible and making it tangible yeah. And then that yeah. way, too, you can look back on it and you have a different we forget sometimes what our prayers were, you know, and we can yeah. check back in and see, you know, how he's worked and how he's answered yeah. it. So, yeah. So like that's that. that's something I would say. And then also just don't don't feel embarrassed about that issue, you know, uh, the, but there a way to control it, I think, would be by writing your prayers. And it's it, don't get down on yourself for it, you know, either. It's just you have a tender heart and, and thank God for that. So, okay, let's do one more question, okay? Real this quick, though, segment. really quick. Do you think okay. that it's the Holy Spirit cause that, that sometimes prompts that emotional response? Because I've noticed that, too. I can relate to that, that there's there's just something that moves me about music when I'm in church or certain moments mm-hmm. that I, I feel like it's the Holy Spirit that's reaching into that, well, that tender place. Do you think maybe that has anything to do with it with her? I do in a sense that uh, I think the Holy Spirit speaks to our emotions, yeah. And and that may be the thing. However, I would say 
it's not every time you pray. It's not so causing since, it, but... Yeah, so every time she prays, if she breaks into tears, I would say that's probably more that she has a tender heart rather than the Holy Spirit prompting that every time. And that could, that's so. a gift, even if it yeah. she feels like yeah. it's embarrassing sometimes. Okay, yeah. <laughs> all it's right. It's a gift from God to be tender, yeah, all exactly. Right. Well, thanks, Debbie. Um, one more real quick. Uh, Troy on Facebook says, I've heard a lot of people say that God doesn't change his mind. Doesn't he do that with Moses several times? It seems like he was uh, set on destroying the Israelites, same with the people of Nineveh, Nineveh until he, they repented. So... I would say that Moses, since he raises the question of Moses, Moses includes the words of Balaam, the false prophet, but because it was true, remember the, the Balaam's donkey? And so for these four oracles of Balaam, the point of that donkey is to say, if God could speak through one donkey, he can speak through another one. And so God spoke through Balaam. And then Moses, the writer of the, the Torah, included uh Balaam's words, and what he said in Numbers 23 is that God is not a man, that he will change his mind. Does he speak and not act, or promise and not fulfill? Mm -hmm. So the literal statement through Moses in the law of Moses is that God doesn't change his mind. So now, here's the hardest thing that many of us have to deal with. We don't understand how God can be sovereign and have his will planned out, and yet we have responsibility. We pray, we act, and God engages with us in time. And that's such a confusing thing to us. And so as a result, people uh, become confused you know what I mean? They, they're like, well, how can both those things be true? And I, don't, I frankly don't know the answer. Hmm. The answer is that God's thoughts are way above us. Uh, like Isaiah 55 says, his thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. Uh, as far as the heavens are above the earth, so far are my thoughts higher than your ways, higher than your thoughts. So here's the, the point. I believe God uses something called an anthropomorphism. It's a literary device that attributes human traits to God. Hmm. And because we can't comprehend right. how God engages with us, even though he, and so it's just a literary device to say that he changes his mind, but he doesn't really. God knew the end from the beginning. He knew exactly what was going to happen. And yet there's this human responsibility to pray or whatever it is that we're engaging with him. I don't know how it works. I do know this, that, for example, prayer is the slender nerve that turns the muscles of omnipotence. Hmm. That's what I know. And so I'm going to keep praying, and it'll seem like God changed his mind, but I don't know, I don't know how it works. And that's why God uses that anthropomorphism, like with Nineveh and with Moses and so forth. Okay? Excellent. I, ho I, love I hope it. that helps. Yeah. Hey, Thank you, Court, for asking the questions. You're going to come back second hour, too? I will. And ask the questions? You bet. Good. Good. Well, uh, this is good that we're giving Courtney a chance to ac ask the questions because she's not going to be Courtney Young very long. She's going to get married and leave us. But for now, thanks for doing those questions today. Thanks for sending them in. You can always go to openlineradio.org and click on Ask Michael a Question and send your question for the mailbag. We'll be right back with your calls in just a moment, right here on Open Line.
to Open Line. Uh, so glad you're listening today. Uh, you know, I just, this f- first hour, I, the opening word was about Rosh Hashanah, the Jewish New Year. And it's so appropriate because Chosen People Ministries is offering a new calendar, a Jewish art calendar for this uh, new year that just starts this weekend. And so it's it's crucial to understand that the Jewish New Year starts in September. That's why Chosen People Ministries offers every fall a Jewish art calendar. And this is a very special one because in Romans 10.1, Paul said his heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. The apostle prayed for the people of Israel. And that's a prayer that too often we neglect. And so this year's theme of the Chosen People Ministries calendar is about praying for the Jewish people. And every month there are prayer prompts along with the great pictures and the calendar. And it goes all the way from September through December of next year. If you'd like a copy of the Chosen People Ministries Jewish Art Calendar, it's yours free. All you have to do is go to openlineradio.org. That's our website. Scroll down until you see the link that says uh, a free gift from Chosen People Ministries. When you click on that, you'll be taken to a page and you can sign up for your own free copy of the 2023-24 Messianic Jewish Art Calendar from Chosen People Ministries. I hope you do it. I think you'll really like it. Well, we're going to go right back to the phones now and we're going to speak with Michael in Florida listening on WRMB. Welcome to Open Line, Michael. How can I help you? Yes, sir, Dr. Arneldick. Thank you, sir. Um, Can Christians have demons? What do you think? Of course. Of course, you say? Yes, because I help people get free from demons. Yeah. So I'm just going to say, I kind of thought you were trying to set me up here. Uh, So you... you, Yes, sir. <laughs> you're you're uh you're saying uh that you think that believers can be demon possessed and you're involved in deliverance ministry. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm not sure why and and I think you even know my answer, don't you? Yeah. Cuz yeah. many pastors so, don't believe. Yeah. Uh, well, I don't believe believers in the Lord Jesus can have a demon. They can be Mm. attacked by demons. They can be tempted by demons. But 1 John 4.4 says, you have heard uh, about, verse 3 talks about the Antichrist, and then it says, uh, you are from God, little children, and you have conquered them, all the spirit of the Antichrist. Because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. And so, clearly, the, uh, the scriptures teach that a demon uh, is, would be, if, if the one who is in us, the Holy Spirit, is greater than the one who is in the world, Satan, certainly the one who is in us is greater than uh, any demon. The Holy Spirit's more powerful than that. Now, I had a friend that was operating in a place with a lot of demonism. He was a missionary down South America, and he was working with tribes that had experienced a lot of demonism. 
And he never cast out demons. What he did is he proclaimed the gospel. And when people trusted the Lord, the demons left. Uh, Even though they were demonized, when they prayed to receive Jesus, and they believed that he died for them and rose again, and so as a result of that, the demons left. So I do think that demons can attack us, and demons can tempt us, and demons can try to hurt us. Uh, But I don't believe demons can control us. And certainly, many of the times when people engage in deliverance ministries, they find that the the demons that they're casting out allegedly uh, are are areas of uh, fleshy, sinful attitudes, uh, the sins of the flesh, and or the deeds of the flesh, and you can't cast out the flesh. That's not what we can do. And uh, I never, I just don't think that that it's very effective. Uh, we deal with the flesh in a, a different way. So uh, let me just encourage you. I'm sorry that we disagree. I don't want to be dis- disrespectful. I appreciate that uh, you think this, but I would, uh, challenge you to rethink it. So anyway, uh, thanks for your call. We're going to take a, a break in just a minute uh, and come back the second hour. But I do want to remind you that you can go to our website, openlineradio.org, and it's a place where you can... Uh, give a gift so you can get our current resource about opening the Bible. And uh, also, uh, you can uh, also uh, become a kitchen table partner. But uh, there's also the Chosen People resource, all those things on our website. Thanks for listening, everyone. The first hour is over, but the second hour is coming up. And uh, when uh, we'll be back, if you if your station doesn't carry the uh, the second hour you can always check it out on our website openlineradio.org is the page you can keep in touch with us during the break second hour of open line is coming up straight ahead with more of your questions about the bible god and the spiritual life open line with michael radelnik is a production of moody radio a ministry of moody bible institute